Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm Lori Barkman. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself the business transition Sherpa. This podcast guides entrepreneurs from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. What do I do when I'm not hosting a podcast? I work with owners to maximize business value with my firm, small.big. And as a certified mergers and acquisitions advisor with Stony Hill, I guide you through the complex process of selling your company. Tune into Succession Stories for weekly insights to reward your hard work and avoid succession regrets. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for our newsletter at successionstories.com. Here's to your success. Is this the year to sell your company? Don't leave your exit to chance. Stony Hill Advisors works with entrepreneurs like you to get ready for what may be the biggest transaction of your life. Learn what your business is worth by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. Scott Snyder is the president of the Exit Planning Institute, educating professional advisors and business owners around the globe about the value acceleration methodology. It's a process that allows owners to create companies that are independent of them. Following a process, finding a way to gradually relinquish control. We had a fantastic conversation about not letting your company define you. We also talked about Scott's own succession experience over the last 10 years with his father, Chris Snyder, owner of the Exit Planning Institute. Listen in to learn why making your business independent of you makes it more valuable with Scott Snyder. This week is a really great episode. Scott, I am so excited to talk to you. I've talked about the Exit Planning Institute in probably a third of our episodes, and it's a consistent theme to talk about exit planning, talk about business owner readiness, the future of transitions, and getting our headset around it. And here you are, you're part of an organization that this is what you do. You live and breathe it every, every day, day yep. to help business owners. But now at the same time, you are living it as the second generation of the Exit Planning Institute. So excited you're here. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love doing this stuff. So happy, happy to be on the show. Great. Why don't we start with an overview of the Exit Planning Institute, which acronym is EPI for shorthand. Sure. Yeah. Just a quick high level. What's EPI? Yeah. So the Exit Planning Institute is a professional education organization. So we teach professional advisors a methodology called the value acceleration methodology. And then the, those advisors go out and they surround the owner on a collaborative team to all help the owner grow value in their company, position it for an eventual exit and align business, personal and financial goals. So advisors come to us for that designation called the Certified Exit Planning Advisor, but they also come to us for content, tools, resources. We have an, we have an academy style program that if credentialing isn't right for you, you can still learn. We have conferences, chapters, all of that good stuff. And that's how I got familiar with yeah. you. I was in your class for the yeah. certificate program, which was, oh my, what, two years ago, I guess at this point. Yeah, probably, yeah, but yeah, two years ago. Yeah, so we'll definitely be singing off of the same song sheet here, but Absolutely. I think just for perspective, this organization in total is how old? And it was founded by your father, correct? 
It was actually founded in 2005 by two investment bankers in Chicago named Peter Christman and Rich Jackham. So I guess we're approaching our 20th year in business. But interesting enough, you alluded to, to my dad, Chris. So my dad, my dad, Chris, I think really evolved and changed the industry. So interesting enough, Chris is and was a certified exit planning advisor. He was actually part of the first 100 SEPAs. He got certified in 2008 and he was running a consulting and M&A practice. So really almost full circle, right? Helping business owners grow value, position for exit, and then actually helping them and help sell their companies and transition. Dad became a SEPA because he didn't really focus on the personal or personal financial and he thought something kind of was missing. So he fell on EPI, became a SEPA. And then I came along in 2011 after selling my first company. So I'm technically an exited owner and partnered up with dad to help grow his advisory firm. And then we quickly realized that, or I certainly quickly, quickly realized that Chris, dad, had a methodology that took these concepts that the Exit Planning Institute was teaching and put them into action. So if you rewind 10 years, I think a lot of people, profession is still really young. A lot of owners and advisors are kind of struggling with, this all sounds good, but how do I really do it? How do I really practice it? How do I incorporate it into my business every single day? That process became known as the value acceleration methodology. And dad and I flipped our model in 2012. We said, look, we share our same purpose. So the technical purpose of EPI is to actually help business owners grow more significant companies. Significant companies are one that are valuable, transferable, and aligned to their three goals, business, personal, and financial. So we said, rather than operate here in Cleveland, Ohio, which was where we are, we would have a bigger impact on that purpose. And again, if we could educate folks like you that then come around the owner and advise them through this growth and exit journey that they, that they go on. So in 2012, we bought EPI, incorporated the value acceleration methodology and been teaching that methodology over the last 10 years to professional advisors really across the world. EPI is primarily in, U, in the U.S., but we're in about maybe 15 other countries across, wow. across the world. Yeah, across the globe. That's amazing. You know, every owner that you look at, right, has a similar issue is that they are so concentrated on growing their business, maybe even over a 10, 15, 30-year time frame, that they're really focused on the operations of that company and making that company successful. But then when they come to exit and do something different in their life, harvest likely the biggest asset that they have, they don't get the money that they want or maybe even need, or they're not able to sell it at all. Or they have a failed family transition to the second or third generation. And I don't care if you're in Australia, if you're in Canada, if you're in the UK, or if you're in, in Cleveland, Ohio, I think all owners have that similar problem. And then they have this holistic problem that says, look, over the past 30 years, I've been so concentrated on growing my company that you know, I can't picture a life outside of doing this. So they haven't wrapped a personal plan and a personal financial plan around those business goals. So, yeah, I think people come to EPI because they're, they're seeing their owners have similar problems as I think, you know, across the world, baby boomer type generation is hitting that age where they're like, look, I think at maybe 62 or 67, maybe I don't want to get all the way out of my business, but I do. I have grandkids now. There's just other stuff that I might want to do in life. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like a, a common language that it people is. might want to have a transition. It's interesting. I had a great discussion on this show with a woman, her name's Nikkei Anani, and she's originally from Africa. She now lives in the United okay. States, but 
in that continent, for whatever reason, the percentage of companies that transition from first to second generation is like two, 3%. It's really, really low. Yeah. So to your point, underscoring, no matter where you live, right, there are certainly issues. I want to yeah. just rewind a second about you. People sure. who are listening, and as opposed to watching the video on our YouTube channel, can't sure. see how young you look. <laughs> so without <laughs> okay. revealing how, if you would like to share your age, that's sure. fine. But just yeah. generally speaking, are you in your 30s, your 40s? Yeah. So yeah, I tried to grow this beard during COVID, so it actually aged me a little bit. But I, I maybe it hasn't. You know, I can I can appreciate that. No, I'm 36. I'm 36 years old, and so technically second generation in in yeah. family business, and some even consider me maybe third generation in exit planning, right? Because right, although we have no you know family tie to Peter and Rich, you know now you have three different perspectives from almost three generations, like Peter and Rich are probably the upper end of the baby boomers. My dad's the lower end of the baby boomers. And then I skip a generation all the way to the upper end of the millennials. Right. And so, you know, the lasting legacy through the generations of exit planning is cool. But yeah, I'm 36 years old. So what was that conversation like? You said you had a business and I know from your bio, you were in your teens when you started your company and then you mentioned you had an exit. What was that story? Yeah, no, it's an interesting ride, right? I was pretty young when I exited, exited my company. But yeah, I started that business at the seat at my at my desk in my geometry class in, in high school. Well, I probably should have been paying attention in, in, in school. I had one job ever in my entire life. I was a janitor at an all boys high school at the high school that I attended. I would stay after and work part time. And I just I honestly hated it. So I was like, man, I, you know, what could we do? that gives us a little, you know, flexibility in our time, I guess I should say. And so we literally, me and my buddy Mikey threw a lawnmower in the back of a Ford Taurus sedan, literally bungee tore the trunk trunk down and legitimately just called ourselves landscapers. And probably like all, uh, you know, all little kids or adolescents at that age are just mowing lawns for 20 bucks. You know, you fast forward like three years and we're now like freshmen in college. We have a pretty legitimate business, right? We have like six people working for us. We have multiple trucks. We have commercial contracts. And then in what would have been fall of 2009, we were approached by a competitor, but also a partner. So the person that bought us did a lot of tree care, arbor care. Uh, We did not. So we would sub everything out to them. And they approached us and said, hey, have you ever really thought about selling your company? We love your people. We love your process. We like your equipment. We love your contracts and customers. We like your training program. And I said, at the time, I think I was like 24 years old, right? So I was like, nah, I mean, this is, you know, this is what I've been doing for the like nine years of my life since I was like 15. But luckily, right, the story that we talked about, about Chris, my dad, my dad's a SEPA. So I knew a little bit about exit planning and a little bit about M&A. And not to knock my dad, but I don't think my dad really at that time even saw that business as all that serious, right? Like there was certainly not a holistic plan that was going on for me at 24, right? So, but we ended up taking that deal. We ended up closing in April of 2010. It was a small micro market kind of company, right? Not not anything big. We did have about maybe 10 or 13 employees and maybe six trucks. But I took maybe the rest of that spring and summer to transition the business through that, what would be considered, at least here in Northern Ohio, one of our really busy seasons as we kick off the growing season. And then like many owners that might be listening, I wandered around for like a year because I had no personal planning, right? right. Now, can you imagine, I had I had a runway though, because I was only 24. 
Now imagine if even if you're an owner listening right now and you're 55 or 60 or 65, like you kind of got to figure out what you're passionate about because although you do have a, a long runway, you don't have as long runway as I had at 24. Sure. And so, and you also haven't run, I mean, for somebody that's maybe 65, you might've owned your business for 30 something years. So the transition from a business standpoint went really well. The transition from a personal standpoint, not that it didn't go well, but I spent some time wandering before I, my dad had asked me, hey man, like, why don't you come into the consulting firm and help us grow this business like you did your landscaping company? And dad and I've always wanted to own companies and real estate and, and different ventures together. So, and I thought what was really interesting about the consulting firm that he had is that as an owner, I was like, man, you work with all kinds of different businesses. This is just fascinating, right? It could be landscaping. It could be manufacturing. It could be non-medical home health care, IT consultant. He had all kinds of different companies that he was working with. So I said, yeah, let's get, let's get in there. But so yeah, I had my first exit at would have been probably 24 or 25 and then fell in with my dad. And then basically two years after that, we bought the Exit Planning Institute. Oh, that's a great story. And you're really living it. Some people say eat your own dog food, right? And that's yeah, essentially right, sure. what you guys are doing. You've had a transition recently and congratulations on that. Yeah, Do you want to you. talk about sure. the succession, the official succession right. in your in your company? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that for anybody that is listening that knows Exit Planning Institute, at least I'd like to think that we tend to use our own company as our case study. I think that when my certified exit planning advisors, folks like you that are inside of our communities turn and say, Scott, can you show me some case studies? Like how was an owner actually implementing this with a team of SEPAs? I say, guys, here we are. And to your point, we kind of have this interesting family dynamic too. So yeah, we've owned EPI for 10 years now. And, and basically the summer, I think of last year, we named me officially the president of the organization. And dad is still pretty active, but he is more so concentrated on vision strategy, concentrated on content. He's the head of our faculty, and he really is kind of living his dream, which was to speak and teach at a cadence or a rhythm that he, that was kind of on his flexibility and, and time frame. So my mom retired like two years ago, and she's been waiting two years for dad to come hang out. Like the, <laughs> and, and no, I don't mean any offense to any baby boomers listening, but he is the typical baby boomer business owner. He, he, he loves his company. He wants to feel successful. And he's the, the baby boomers are the inventors of the 60 hour work week. So like not showing up in the office every day is weird for dad. But he found his stride over the last year or so. And honestly, I think the pandemic really made him look differently, uh, look at life and look at business differently. And so uh, in June of last year, we transitioned me into the president's role. We, I wrote a new vision with my team here at EPI. We wrote a new vision and purpose and core values for our business that will take us into the next five years. And I think that's important to say, if you look at some of the data, just last month, I had our State of the Institute address, which talks about EPI, but also talks about where the profession and market is going. And it's just very interesting statistics. I think it's something up to about 36 40% of the lower middle market and small companies privately held in the United States today are actually owned by people under the age of 50. So we're starting to really see the two next generations, the Gen Xers, and the millennials start to come in as business owners. And I think for the advisors listening, it's really an awesome opportunity to kind of reshape the way business owners think about running, operating and growing their companies. 
one that's not concentrated on income, but concentrated on value and has these three goals, business, personal, financial, all kind of aligned. So yeah, we did that in June of last year. Uh, and dad has spent, spends most of his time down at the lake house with my mom speaking, writing, and teaching. We're actually writing a new version of his book, Walking to Destiny. So we have a Walking Destiny 2.0 coming out in the third quarter. Uh, and I think he's really focused on the things that he is, I think he's certainly found his passion and purpose. And he's off doing that while I'm here running the business, which also has allowed our family to do some much needed estate planning and financial planning as well. Yeah, that's perfect. I have this visual in my mind of this baton, right? The sure. baton going from the yeah, one- like a relay race. And yeah. it's right. Relay race. And you didn't drop anything. You've been hitting the ground running because it wasn't yeah. like you just joined. You've been in the company for a while. Who is your most important customer? The person who buys your business. Stony Hill Advisors works with owners to maximize the value when you're ready to sell. Get started today with a business valuation by visiting StonyHillAdvisors.com slash podcast. If you put your business owner hat on and you look back now and say, what were some of the really important things that you talked about strategy and, re, you know, kind of reshaping vision. But if you look back maybe the last five years and sure. the focus within the organization to get the organization to see you differently, right? Sure. To see you as the head of the organization, somebody that they weren't always going to be bouncing to your father for answers, right? They weren't yeah. going to go to Chris. They were going to go to Scott. Sure. What did you have to put in place to help the organization scale and from a cultural standpoint, make that mind shift transition? Such a rabbit hole that we can go down. So let me try to maybe high level summarize. So one, I don't think it's easy for any business owners listening, whether it's from, whether it's a non-family, right? I think that high level, I think that every owner should be thinking about making their business independent of them. Even me at 36 years old now, I think we were talking about this on like our pre-show where dad where this whole process started was dad asked a question. I think it was December of 2019. He said, Scott, we finally got me kind of out of the business and the business is certainly independent of me. But what if you die? And right at two, two three years ago now, at like what, 33, 34 years old, you're not thinking about that, right? And I didn't, the exit planning guy, me, I'm like, I guess I don't, good call. Like, I don't, really know. Because he's like, I don't know if I could even come back and operate the business because I don't know the stuff that you know. So then we went on this two-year journey, 2020 and 2021, to really build a team around me. And now we're focused on building the organization independent of me as well. But I think I tell you that story because I think that that's not an easy comment for dad to say. Uh, again, I always refer to generations, a big generational guy but if you looked at the generational characteristics, again, just generally of baby boomers, they like control. And so I think my first lesson for anybody listening is to find it in yourself, uh, whether that's through advice from your advisors, your mentors, through reading, through listening to podcasts like this, to relinquish control gradually. And I think from the starting generation to the next. And so I do commend my dad for being like, okay, like, here we go. However, you have to build rapport with that generation. Like dad's never going to toss the baton to me if I haven't proven myself, if I haven't kind of walked that path. And so if you think about that for nearly 10 years or celebrating our 10 year anniversary for nearly 10 years, I sat in the vice president's role 
running our company to frankly, you know, doing similar things that I do today, just with a different title. And so I think the, the, and, and for the next generation being cool with that and kind of building your path. And then for the first generation or the older generation to be able to say, I want to relinquish control. I think that that relationship has to build over time. Uh, I think that after that, the next generation uh, needs to build a plan. Like, I think one of the first things my dad said was, okay, what's your vision? Where do you want to go? What are the metrics? What are the goals? What's the three-year strategy? And so you have to uh, be able to do, uh, be able to do that, uh, be able to do that as well. And I think in between there, there's physical, literal tools and resources that help you have those types of conversations, right? So from a family perspective, dad and I use uh, uh, a book called uh, Every Family's Business, written by Tom Deans. In the back of that book, they have a family business blueprint that we use every single year, and it, it, it creates tough conversation. Uh, questions like, if Gen, if, if Gen 1, if an offer was on the table, would you sell? So Gen 1 might say yes, Gen 2 might say no, I'm just starting. And it has dialogue there. The next tool that I would recommend is our value acceleration methodology. We do a, what we would call an enterprise value assessment, which is a combination of an, an analysis of these intangible factors and the tangible factors to get to evaluation, and then to see kind of the holes and weak spots in your business. So we do that every year, which allows us to kind of align on a, a vision strategy and, and, a, and a path. And then to help us drive like better communication, help us track data points, we use the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, which I'm sure a lot of small companies, lower middle market companies are, are, uh, are, are, are knowledgeable of from the book Traction and, and Gina Whitman. So the combination of those three things has also allowed us to make the transition that we're in now. Dad and I have always been 50-50 partners, right? Dad owns well, not 50-50, 51 dad, 49 Scott. And we've always been that way. But from an operational and role standpoint, it hasn't been that way. So we've always been business partners, which is also, I think, a lot different in family businesses. Like I know one of my buddies, similar age, is third generation in a manufacturing company. He's a plant manager there, but his dad won't give him any equity or he won't even allow his son to buy in equity, or at least not yet. And so when we bought into EPI, 49% of that was me buying in with dad. So we've been true business partners for 10 years, not just like dad certainly doesn't believe in gifting at all, never has. He said, Scott, you could polish my shoes. I'll give you a quarter. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, he, you know, he, I think he actually, to be totally honest, would give me $2. He put a dollar in savings account and give me a dollar to spend. That actually paid off. We all laugh at that. But at 36 year old, years old, I literally have a savings account with that cash still sitting in there. That's um, awesome. But anyways, That's awesome. I think between like, just realizing and trying to relinquish control, really great communication and a utilizing advisors and tools and resources to kind of power that. Again, easier probably said than done in that five minute statement, but nonetheless, uh, that's kind of my advice and that's kind of our journey. That's awesome. I was also thinking all back to what you shared earlier with some of the challenges that you experienced and then some ways that you've delved in as a as a new leader, as a new owner. And congrats to you on the on the growth and success of EPI and its reputation globally. Mm -hmm. If we think about this episode as a time capsule, 
Okay. And here you are at 36 talking yep. to yourself mm-hmm. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and you, you go back and listen, what would you say to yourself, your future self? I would say, I hope we do like literally time capsules and we could listen to it in, in, in 10 years. I think the biggest thing uh, that I've learned, even going back like the past 10 years, since I sold my company like 11 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, it, the biggest lesson I learned when selling my first company was do not let your business define you. But one of the reasons I was wandering is because I was Scott the landscaper. I didn't realize even at that time what I was passionate about was running a business. So whether it's a professional education company, whether it's a what, a landscaping company, whether it's anywhere in between some of the other companies that dad and I own together today, you know, it was really about the challenge of building and growing a company and working with people and driving great experiences. What I learned then over the next 10 years is that you really do need to find your personal purpose. And I know it sounds like, as you, as you know me, as people get to know me, like I'm not like a cloudy kind of guy, like I'm kind of like a, you know, a meat and potatoes kind of guy. So I know this kind of sounds perhaps a little corny to some that might know me, and maybe I am softening up in my old age, but I could tell you that over the last two years, basically through our pandemic, our whole team went through a program, transformational leadership program that has changed my perspective on life, life as an owner, life as a father, life as a, uh, life as a son and friend and anywhere in between, literally it was a life changer for me. And so what I would say to myself in 10 years is stay true to, to your purpose, stay true to your core values and always communicate is what I would say. I love it. Episode right before yours, we had a, a great dialogue with yeah. transformational, uh, my, my guest, uh, Nicole Jansen, we talked about transformational leadership. And so I love how these episodes just continue to provide value and so much great insight to owners, you're, you're talking to yourself in the future, but the reality is you're talking to business owners now, right. and you're also speaking to a network of advisors that are listening to the show. And hopefully those insights will enable them to be better advisors for the man in the ring to, to quote one of the most popular quotes on this show. And I ask everyone for their favorite quote, and I'm going to ask you here in a moment, but okay. that is, you know, the man in the arena, I think it was uh, Teddy Roosevelt, if I'm not mistaken. And it is the most quoted quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, not easy to be the person on the ground. <laughs> it's it not really easy. Isn't. I know. No. I think that, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt's actually, it's very interesting. Very, we're just talking about that because it was President's Day. So the kids at the dinner table, right, we're all talking about different presidents. They learned about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, uh, but they didn't know yet. They're only in like first and second grade. So they didn't know who Teddy Roosevelt was yet. But I'm a big yeah. National Park guy too. So, you know, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, founder of the National Parks. Yeah, so. absolutely. Wonderful conversation that we've had today. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share? No, I, I don't think so. I think that, you know, if you're interested in stuff like this, I would say look into the value acceleration methodology, right? It was, I'm probably biased because I've lived that life. My dad taught me value acceleration at 15. But if you're an owner, I would say value the value acceleration methodology will change your life. If you're an advisor, I think the value acceleration methodology will connect you better to your owners and your fellow advisors. Absolutely. And if people want to find you and find the organization, sure. what's a great way to get in touch? Yeah, I would say two things. So I think most people are on LinkedIn these days, certainly our advisor crowd, Scott Snyder, just look me up on there, Snyder with an I, S-N-I-D-E-R. Uh, I share 
frankly, free content almost every single day. So we're pretty active on there. So just look at that. Outside of that, if you're interested in the methodology, owner or advisor, just go to Earn SEPA. SEPA is Certified Exit Planning Advisor. So C-E-P-A, EarnSEPA.com, and you can navigate to all kinds of stuff uh, and different learning opportunities and, and, and just honestly free stuff and everywhere in between. Great resources. Definitely encourage everyone to check it out. And so we finally come to the time when I ask you for your favorite quote. I know you probably have a gazillion, but what would be (laughs) your favorite to share? (laughs) I probably have two, but I'm going to pick one. It literally so important to me that it hangs at the top of my stairs. So when I walk up the stairs, my stairs go like that. So there's a landing. And when I walk upstairs, I see it every single day. My family does too. And it's uh, uh, honestly a, a quote that I've lived by probably since I've been like 15, maybe even younger if you challenge my parents says, do not follow where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And so I think that that describes, I think, an entrepreneur's journey for sure. And whether you're a business owner or not, I think challenging yourself to do something different, to do something a little scary, uh, to purposely grow for anybody, I think follow, following that your own trail, at least in one aspect of your life is critical. So that, that's my favorite quote. I love it. Scott, thank you so much for being on Succession Stories with me. It was really awesome to talk to you today. Thank you. I appreciate it. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand what creates value and what detracts from it, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Hundreds of business owners have taken my complimentary business assessment. As a first step, schedule a call with me by visiting meetlauriebarkman.com. That's meetlauriebarkman.com.